Father, we just uh, we thank you for your word in this season that we're in, and um, help us to be ready in season and out of season, Lord, for everything that you have for us, that we would have listening ears, Lord, Lord, and a willing heart to do your will. And we thank you that it all comes from you. Every good thing comes from you, Father. And we thank you for your Son that you sent to us. We could not have made it any other way. And we are so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, Pete was uh, making fun of my glasses this morning. I don't know why. It's, like, <laughs> it's just getting old. It just happens, and it's okay. So, <laughs> Anyway, a couple of days ago, we we're doing the, uh, I think it's called the Advent Tree. Is that what it is, honey? Yes, whatever. And in it, it talked about, there's like a scripture verse that goes along with it, and uh, it had to do with the root of David. And that, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, there are many times where like a word or a phrase just kind of just gets stuck in your heart as a believer. And um, I just started meditating on that and just thinking about it and um, kind of wondering what it meant. So, um, Seth, if you will put the first scripture in Isaiah 11, please. I believe this is going to be out of the New King James. Isaiah 11, verse 1. Says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. I think I need to read the second part of this, too. I think it's important. Verse 2. Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. We need all of these things. We need Him. And I just want this to be about Him. I want this to be about the Son. I want this to be about Jesus. And Seth, can you bring up the the picture of the olive tree? We need to dim some of these lights so you guys can see that better. All right, thank you. I'll get back to that picture in a moment, but I want you guys just to kind of take a look at that. So during this time where it's talking about in Isaiah 11.1, 1, it's speaking of Jesus and the lineage where he came from. He came from David, King David. And this is about 1,000 years before he was born. And we know David was a man after God's own heart. He loved God. And if you read the scriptures, there's not a whole lot of places where people say how much they love the Lord. David is one of those few individuals who said that. He had a real love for the Lord, despite all his problems and his issues, and he had plenty, just like we do. But he was a man after God's own heart. 
And God promised him that he would have someone on his throne that would rule out of Israel, rule out of Jerusalem. And so his kingdom, David's was a mighty kingdom. Um, He went on, he beat his enemies, he conquered them, and he handed over to his son Solomon. And that was probably the height of the kingdom uh, during that time. The temple was built during this time. God's presence, his holy presence, his Shekinah glory was above the temple. Uh, They had worshipers in there. Uh, The kingdom was just doing great. People from around the world came to hear Solomon's wisdom. Jesus spoke about that. He said one of the the queens from the south, probably Bathsheba, came to hear his wisdom because there was no other kingdom like it during that time. But we also know that it was a shadow, it was a picture, a shadow picture of the kingdom that's supposed to be coming when Jesus comes. And But during this time, Solomon had a son and he had many things that he had going on. And um, his son wasn't so wise like he was. And he made some real poor decisions and the kingdom was broken in two. So during this time, they went from having a good king to having a bad king, mostly bad kings, up until the time where the ten northern tribes were taken into captivity by the Assyrian Empire. And then around 586, I believe it was, where Nebuchadnezzar came against the last king of Judah and uh, sacked it, destroyed the temple completely, plundered it, and took the people into captivity. So that was around 586 B.C. So, and we know from the prophet Daniel that there was going to be a series of empires that were going to rule and reign over the place of Israel. So Babylon did for about 70 years, and then the Persians came. And as the Persians came in, they released some of the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. I believe it was King Cyrus during that time released the Jews to go back to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. He was the godly king. But during this time, there was no one on the throne. And there was no temple during this time either. The people were still, most of them were in captivity. So, we look here at the olive tree. This is, I believe, was taken in um, the Garden Tomb of Gethsemane. And they believe that this particular olive tree, most olive trees in the Mediterranean region live a long time and bear fruit, some of them for hundreds of years. And this one right here, I guess they've scientifically looked at it and studied, is around 2,000 years old. So it is... I don't think it's for any mistake either that it was around the time when Christ was in that area. So, it is ancient. And when Jerusalem was sacked and the last king went into captivity, the line of David as the king and his lineage was broken. It became just like that trunk. If you look to the left, that large portion does not produce fruit anymore, does not produce olives anymore. So it stays dead, and it stayed dead for a long, long time. Now, during this time, when they came back um, to Jerusalem, 
I think this is going to be in Ezra. Yeah, if you guys could go ahead and turn to Ezra, I don't know if I put that in my notes there. This is Ezra 3.12. So, when they come back from captivity, um, they're rebuilding the temple, and they're laying the foundations of it. And while they're doing it, they're laying the foundations, and they're rebuilding the walls, a lot of the people are rejoicing, and they're just having a wonderful time, just celebrating the beginning of what God is doing for them, bringing them back out of captivity. It's an exciting, wonderful, great time. They're just praising God. But along with that, some of the older priests and people who remembered the old temple from 70 years ago were weeping just as loud as the people who were rejoicing. To the, I mean, people were hearing this from a long distance away, that they could not tell the difference between the weeping and the rejoicing that was going on during this time because the temple that they were looking at was not even close to what it looked like in its former glory. And that really touched my heart because I feel in some ways, uh, especially for some of our older members and brothers and sisters, when they look at our country or they look where we're at right now compared to what it was when they were younger, there's a mourning that kind of goes along with that. It's like, why can't my kids or grandkids have what I had back then. But then you got people like me, or younger, where there's a rejoicing that it's like something is being done in our age and in our day that the Lord is doing. He's doing a mighty work. And it might not look like it did before. It might not look like that, but it's His work. And I can understand and appreciate the people who feel bad I was like, oh, gosh, I wish it could just be like it was when we were younger. It was such more an innocent time. But we do have to look forward to a kingdom that is coming. Okay? And um, we just, we have to keep holding on to that hope that he is coming back. So... So this continued on for a long time. The Persian Empire was eventually defeated by the who? Someone who knows history. Come on. Yes, Alexander Great, the Macedonian Empire. Okay, you guys remember him. They conquered him. The Jews eventually were able to defeat the Greek army about a hundred something years later and get some sort of autonomy, but they were still ruled by the Greeks. Until finally the mighty Roman Empire came and they subjected the entire Mediterranean region under their rule and their authority by the time we get to the time of Jesus. And Seth, if you could go to the scripture with the Hebrew on that, please. I don't know if you guys can see that too well. 
This is Isaiah 11.1, 1, what I just read a little while ago. And I'm going to read some of the Hebrew words that go along with it. And it says, There shall come forth a rod. Hebrew word for this, choter, a living shoot. And out of the stem, Hebrew word for that is giza. It's called a cut-down trunk, which is referring to the olive tree of Jesse, King David's father, a branch, Netzer, shall grow out of its roots. So back in the old days when an olive tree was not producing like it did before, they would cut it down but leave the trunk. It says if you go back, if you would, sir, to the picture of the olive tree. So that is the cut-down lineage of David. It died and it stopped when they were sacked by the Babylonians and carried off into captivity. However, because of the way God has designed the olive tree, something happens to it. It could be reborn again. And out of that dead trunk that had been producing for hundreds and hundreds of years, there was no king in Israel, no ruler. Out of that came Jesus, the branch, the netzer. He will grow out of that dead trunk. So, a shoot grows out of that original root system of the olive tree, and it springs up later and somewhat distant from the original olive tree, way down the line. So even in something as we look out there as natural as the olive tree, it speaks of the gospel. Nature cannot help but speak forth his glory. That even in, it might seem in our own lives, there's deadness, there's people rejoicing, and there's people mourning right now. It feels dead in some ways in our own lives, and our own hearts, that the day spring is going to arrive. That root that came from Jesse. He did it for the Jews. He's doing it for us now. The church is no different. He is our life. He has always been our life. And when we come to an end to ourselves, an end to us trying to work to make these things come, to try to work out these things and rest in what he has already done, that finished work, Jesus is the one who brings that life and he brings that promise. And I know there's some people that aren't particularly fond of Christmas. I don't know why. But I do love it. And this is going to be a short message anyway because we have some things we've got to go over. But if you guys would turn to Luke um, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
Behold, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And this is a great time of rejoicing, because during this time when Jesus came, there was a lot of, is this going to be the king who's going to rescue us from the Romans? Is he going to set up his kingdom? And that was part of it. He is the king, but he came as the servant first. He came to rescue the people from their sins, to bring salvation during this age, from the time that he came, around 2,000 years ago, until now. However, he is going to return. He is going to return as the king from the line of David forever sitting on his throne. And he is going to come as the judge for the believers, for the things that we did in this life, the good things, we will receive a reward. And I believe too in the scriptures there is going to be an extra special reward for those who eagerly await his return. Can't wait for him to come back. But for the rest, it's like judgment. Judgment is coming. And our job, I believe, as his people, doesn't matter how many or how few, God doesn't matter about that. He wants people who are committed, filled with his spirit, ready to do what he wants us to do. That we need to be about his business. Saving those who need saving, praying for those who need prayer, continuing in these works that he's given us to do. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to, during the season, keep the Lord Jesus sacred in your heart. Love him above all else. Don't worry about what the world's doing. It's always in turmoil. It's always, something's always going wrong. Something's always breaking down. Something's always happening with the world. That's just the way it is. And probably in some ways it's going to get worse. However, we are receiving a kingdom that will never, ever be shaken. Ever. Babylon is gone. Persian Empire is gone. Alexander's Empire is gone. And the Roman Empire is gone as well. They are gone. And the kings of this world are going to get rolled up too. And Jesus is going to put his feet on them. Because he is the king. He is the Lord of lords and he is the king of kings and he is the king of of all nations and all people. Whether you acknowledge it or not, it doesn't matter. So, pray a blessing on you guys. Um, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this season and the time that you have given us, Lord, that there is still time, Lord, to do what you want us to do, to grow closer to you, Jesus to grow closer to one another, 
that it wouldn't just be in words and deed, Lord, but with actions as well. And Lord, I just thank you so much for this group of people here. And just thank you for this season that you've given us. That you're always reminding us about you and the things that you've done. And the things that you're doing and that what you're going to do in our lives. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. So where there is deadness in heart and in relationships, God, we would just throw ourselves on your mercy and stop looking to ourselves to fix our problems. You are the one who can do that. Bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, We're going to have a family meeting in a little bit. But I'm just getting a sense from the Lord right now that if you need to do some business with the Lord, whether it's repentance or some sort of healing that you need to receive, come and get it. We've got some elders here who will definitely will be praying for you. If you guys, Becky's, who's going to turn the music on? Thank you. But don't be ashamed to ask for help. Don't be ashamed to ask for mercy. Don't be ashamed to ask for wisdom. These are some of the craziest times we've ever lived in. We need his wisdom. So, if you need it, come and get it. People are here will be praying for a little while, and then in probably 10 or 15 minutes, uh, we'll go ahead and start our meeting over here with the family. Um, 